Think for a moment. If you had to stuff your entire life into an SUV, what would you put in that SUV? In case it wasn't obvious from our intro episode, Margot and I had to make that decision. So to start things off, Brett and I are going to talk about the things that we brought together as a family, and then we're going to move on and talk about things that we brought as an individual, the most important things to us and how we made that decision on what to bring and why. So the first category of things that Brett and I brought together was our pillows and blankets. This was actually kind of a last-minute decision, but we thought that having a memory of home would bring us a little bit of comfort when we were on the road, and it turned out that that was a really good idea, actually. So not only are they a comfort from home, but it ended up turning out that a lot of Airbnbs, especially the ones in the southern states, don't really offer a adequate amount or an adequate thickness of blankets. And so having our own blankets in that situation was just really comfortable. We just came back from Joshua Tree last weekend and we stayed in a hotel. And coming back to our house in Ridgecrest where we've been staying and sleeping with my own pillows and my own blankets was just the best feeling ever. It was like I came back to my house, my things, my space, and it was the most glorious feeling. So I don't regret bringing them at all. They really don't take up hardly any space in the car. We use them to pad our fragile items. Otherwise, we lay them flat and we just put all of our bags on top of them. And it really made no difference in space for something that offers so much comfort to us. The second category of things that Brett and I brought together were clothes and shoes for a whole year's worth of seasons. And we did it in one bag each. I'm not going to talk about our casual day-to-day clothes because that's fairly obvious. Anybody who's had to pack for a trip has had to make decisions on what jeans to bring, what sweaters to bring, what t-shirts, how much, whatever. But the thing that's interesting about packing for this trip was that we were going to be going through a full year, a full year of seasons and a whole range of different climates. We left Minnesota in the winter when it was snowing and it was freezing and we traveled through Colorado where it was also snowing. And then we went through the south. We went through Santa Fe and Phoenix in the winter where it ended up being 65 to 70 degrees and made our way up through California through the summer. And eventually our plan is to make it through the Pacific Northwest through the summer and again in the fall. So we really had to pack a whole year's worth of clothing items, and shoes in one bag each. And that's the part that was difficult and interesting. The shoes actually ended up being the hardest part for me. We ended up bringing four pairs of shoes each. We each brought a pair of running shoes. We each brought a pair of hiking shoes. We each brought a pair of sandals. And then we each brought one other pair of shoes that encompassed literally everything else that we would need for the year. So Hiking shoes are pretty self-explanatory, so are running shoes. Brett and I both enjoy hiking and running. We each brought a pair of flip-flops for summer and just for easy shoes to slip on and off while going in and out of the house. And then we each brought one other pair of shoes that encompass literally everything else. Brett chose to bring his standard Brett issue black and red Converse that he 
wears for everything. So that was an easy decision for him. For me, it was a little bit more difficult because I needed something that I could walk in the snow with. And that was a closed-toed shoe, but was also halfway decent if we were going to be going out somewhere. So I ended up bringing a pair of uh, black leather ankle boots. And they kind of, they match everything. And they're comfortable. They're easy to pair with everything. But they definitely got really beat up on this trip. Another clothing item that's really interesting was jackets. How do you decide which jackets to bring for a year? Something that works for the winter, something that works for fall, a light jacket for night in the summer. We're going to the Pacific Northwest for a good chunk of the summer, so I actually ended up bringing a rain jacket, which living in the desert right now seems pretty useless for the other nine months that we're not going to be using it. Same thing with my winter jacket. When we left Minnesota, it was freezing and it was snowing and it snowed in Colorado Springs. It snowed in Santa Fe. It snowed in Flagstaff. It snowed all the way up until we went to Phoenix. So I'm really glad that we did bring that because that was actually a last minute decision to bring hat, gloves, winter jacket. But again, being in the desert right now, a winter jacket takes up a lot of space and it seems pretty useless but I feel like we will be glad to have it when we are heading through Montana in September and it gets a little cold in those mountains. The last clothing item that was difficult to decide whether to bring or not, more for me than for Brett, was business wear or something a little bit dressier. Brett brought a single button-up shirt and some nice pants, and they were sent back to Minnesota by December. With his job... He rarely goes on video calls, and we don't go anywhere where he would need to wear those. So they really were just taking up space for him, and it wasn't a big deal for him to not have something like that. For me, I had a pretty good idea that I was going to be laid off from my job at the end of the year, and I didn't know, should I bring something that I could do video interviews with? If I did get a job, would I be expected to wear something that's business casual and be on a video call every week, every day? I had literally no idea what I was going to be facing as as far as job opportunities. So I made a decision to bring some nicer shirts and a button-down blouse, and I'm glad that I did. I had a couple of high-profile client calls while I was still working at my old job, and with my new job... They're very casual on a day-to-day basis, but going in and meeting people for the first time, it was really nice to have something to represent myself. And you can always do an interview in a button-down blouse. I didn't bring a blazer because that seemed like overkill, and we can always buy something if we needed it. But so I did bring some nicer clothes, and I'm glad that I did. But that was an interesting decision that we both had to make and decide what we were going to be wearing to work for the next year. So the third category stuff that we brought was related to cooking. Uh, Margo and I are big into cooking. Uh, it's a hop. It's one of our many hobbies, <laughs> and uh, we brought a few things for cooking. And uh, I'll quickly list them off, and then I'll talk about them here. So uh, we brought a stainless steel pan. We brought a knife sharpener. We brought an Instapot, uh, and then a few miscellaneous things like a carrot peeler, bottle opener, wine caps, cooler, Tupperware. So. 
Let's start with the stainless steel pan. Why in the world did we bring a stainless steel pan with us on this adventure? And uh, it's honestly relatively simple, and it's because of the fact that it's an extremely versatile tool. Uh, It's it's also extremely durable. You don't, um, I mean, you clean it with steel wool, for God's sakes. It's... It's a very durable device. Anyway, um, it's also, it makes a lot of good food. It, it makes a killer steak. It makes great sauces. It, it it does a lot of great stuff. You can't cook eggs on it, but almost every place we've been to uh, has non-stick pans that we can cook eggs in. So uh, it's a versatile tool, and it works really well for us. And then we also brought a knife sharpener. And so the thought process with the knife sharpener is the fact that, again, cooking is a hobby of ours, and we recognize the fact that one of the most dangerous things you can have in your kitchen is a dull chef's knife. When you're trying to cut an onion and it's mostly dull, it's probably going to slip and it could it could cut you or you could drop it or whatever. Again, that's the reason why a sharp knife is important so that it just does what you tell it to do. It doesn't do anything that you don't tell it to do. And when we were thinking about this adventure, we're thinking about the concept of all these places are just people's homes that people are renting out and trying to get as much money out of it as possible. So you would seem to think that people would probably not invest a ton of money into making sure that all the tools and whatnot are are perfect, are great, uh, or what they might use themselves. Uh, And that has proven to be accurate. Uh, Every single knife set that we've used on this trip so far has all been super dull and some of these places i mean in ridgecrest we're staying for two months here and it would really kind of suck to use a dull chef's knife for two months um i mean hell we we sharpen knives in almost every single place we've been to you know we stayed in colorado springs and we stayed in santa fe for two weeks and i sharpened the knives there just because it made my life easier and so a, a knife sharpener has really come in handy so that brings me to the next thing, which is the Instapot. And the Instapot is a really, really great device in theory because it works as a lot of different things. It works as a pressure cooker. It looks works as a slow cooker. It works as a skillet. You could really do all sorts of interesting things with it. But honestly, in my history with it, I've, I've found that it's much better as a as a pressure cooker. It's really, really good as a pressure cooker. I've made some killer soups with it. I like to make a lot of broth with it as well. Um, you know, buy a, a rotisserie chicken at Costco, throw the bones in the uh, Instapot for like an hour or so, and you have incredible broth just from that uh, carcass that you'd otherwise throw away. You know, the Instapot really serves well for that, but I haven't been to Costco in a long time now, and I haven't had the amount of space to keep uh, my own homemade broth since we moved out. So I haven't been able to make soup. I haven't been able to make broth at all on this trip. And that's what really the Instabot's really good for. We've tried to use it as a slow cooker and it says that it's a slow cooker, but it's really not the same. The Instapot only cooks from the bottom of the pot. It doesn't actually, it tries to make the rest of it warm, but it's not like a slow cooker where the entire ceramic bowl is very, very hot. And that difference is huge. That difference is really huge. We've almost all the dishes we've made with the Instapot on this trip has just been a bucket of sadness, honestly. It's we've made we made pot roast for Thanksgiving this year. And the the pot roast, the roast itself was overcooked and the potatoes were undercooked and I cooked them all night long. I treated it like a, sl- a slow cooker. Slow cooker is supposed to, you know, be 
supposed to be on for like eight hours or so. And I did that. And the, the roast was bone dry and the potatoes were uncooked. Um, the roast was on the bottom. Maybe that was wrong, but the potatoes were on top. Maybe that was wrong, but I can only imagine the inverse would have been true where if I put the potatoes on the bottom, they would have just become mash and the roast would have been uncooked and possibly have made the whole dish poisonous. I don't know. It's upsetting. So we still have the Instapot, but unfortunately it's being considered to be sent back. So we'll see whether or not we send it back. So other miscellaneous things we've brought, we've brought a carrot peeler, we brought a bottle opener, wine caps, a cooler, and Tupperware. So why do we bring a carrot peeler? Well, again, we're into hobbies and carrots are really big in our diet. We like carrots a lot and we we skin our, our carrots. That's what we do. And most places don't have a carrot peeler, so we got one. A bottle opener. This one might be a remnant from our, uh, our prototype adventure in Italy where we traveled around Italy for two weeks uh, for, our, uh, for our honeymoon. Uh, there was one time where we did not have a bottle opener, and when in Rome, you drink as the Romans do, but we couldn't because we didn't have a bottle opener, so <laughs> we have brought a bottle opener with us this entire trip. Uh, wine caps, same thing. You know, we're not going to drink the whole bottle at once. I guess we could, I guess, but we don't, and so we got to start somehow. Cooler, we have a cooler that we bring with us from place to place so that we don't throw away food every single time that we go to a new place and lastly is tupperware uh surprisingly enough most places actually do have tupperware i'm actually quite surprised that there is tupperware provided by airbnbs um i would have actually thought that they wouldn't provide tupperware but they do and so but not nearly enough and so by us having our own tupperware and staying at places with a very small amount of tupperware adding those two together results in us having the right amount of tupperware so that's uh what we brought for our cooking hobby. In addition to things that Brett and I brought together, we also brought things that pertain to us as individuals. Things that were important to us and signified our hobbies that we wanted to keep alive while we were on the road. For me, the first thing that I brought, well, things because it's kind of a rather large hobby, was all of my sewing equipment and all of the tools necessary to cut and sew garments as well as fabric to make those garments out of. This seems like an absurd thing to bring on a road trip. I know that having a full sewing shop out of your vehicle seems like a crazy thing to bring on the road with you. But again, remember, I knew I was going to get laid off from my job and I did not know exactly what we were going to be doing for money. And one saleable skill that I have without a doubt is to be able to make things and sew and make patterns. So I brought all my equipment and I'm glad that I did. While we've been on this trip, I opened my own shop and I now sell garments through an Etsy shop right out of our traveling caravan that we have. And I actually ended up buying another sewing machine on this trip Yes, it's necessary. No, it doesn't do the same thing as other sewing machines. So we'll just get that one out of the way. So I do have three sewing machines now and I use all three of them. Um, the fabric, I ended up sending a lot of fabric back and kind of adjusting what fabric I kept on hand and what fabric I decided to not use at all. But as we go, I refine my tools and I have sent a lot of stuff back 
but the bulk of it I actually end up using on a regular basis. And Brett should just be happy I didn't bring my knitting machine because that wasn't immediately out of the question. But I'm glad that I didn't. One thing I wish I had brought was a workspace table for all of my equipment and sewing machines. I didn't bring it because I thought that Airbnbs would have a standard dedicated workspace, which is very much not true. Even the ones that you check the box for a dedicated workspace, that can be a very broad term where they give you a small little counter in a corner that is very cramped and doesn't work for me. So we ended up actually buying a work table while we were here in Ridgecrest. And I'll be bringing that with us throughout the rest of the travel so that I have a dedicated workspace. And that ended up being really important to us. Thing number two that I brought was my aerial fabric. Ended up bringing my aerial fabric even though I am more partial to the aerial hoop. The aerial hoop is less flexible and is way harder to rig because it has less adjustment in the way you rig it. I brought the aerial fabric because it's a good workout and when all is said and done, there are several places that you can find to safely rig it and it really doesn't take up much space in the car. It's something that's really, really important to me, not just to work out, but on an artistic level to be able to connect with that and with my community back home. I have a very close-knit aerial community and it's nice to feel connected to them and be able to partake from afar. We have actually set up my aerial fabric at quite a few places that we have been. When we were in Phoenix, the hosts had a gigantic pillar swing set with a tire swing and we asked them if we could take that down and rig up my aerial fabric. And they were the best hosts ever. And they were like, yeah, sure, no problem. So they (laughs) replaced their tire swing with my aerial fabric for a whole month. And I did aerial outside in the Phoenix sun pretty much every day. And it felt so amazing to have that. So I'm really glad that I brought it. And I hope that we keep finding places where I can rig it up. Thing number three that I brought was books like real paperback, hardback, cover books. There's something to me that I love about a tangible book that I can read and that I can dog ear and I can go back and I can look up other parts of it. I love reading real books. Anybody knows me knows that I'm going to have a gigantic library in our house when we eventually come back and have a house. I ended up bringing maybe eight books with me and we just shove them in the crevices of the car. We shove them we shove them under the seats. We shove them between the car doors and the seats. We just shove them pretty much anywhere we can fit them. So they really don't take up that much room. I love having them with me and I have a lot of reference books. I have herbal medicine manuals and spiritual manuals that I read on a regular basis. I have journals that I write in. So I love having this big old stack of books with me. And then as I've been reading through books, I just send them back and I've been buying ebooks on the iPad because that is a little bit more sustainable for our trip. But I don't regret bringing books with me, especially since they were books that I've already bought and I already own and that I wanted to read on this trip. So those were three things I brought for my hobbies and that were important to me. Now I'll let Brett tell you about his three things that are important to him. So, Margo and I both have very different hobbies. Uh, so she just explained her 
what she brought for her hobbies, and well, I, I brought a few different things for myself. So I'm going to start by telling you that I brought a very small desktop computer. I brought a Mac Mini with me. And uh, the at the very beginning of this, the, the thought process here is that I brought the Mac Mini so that I continue learning app development. I have been trying to learn app development over the course of the last two years, and I have a lot longer to go. And the Mac Mini has been my development machine for that. Back at home, I had a command center with two very large monitors, uh, the Mac Mini sitting between them, a sitting, standing desk. It was amazing. Absolutely loved it. And uh, the Mac Mini was right in the center there, and I, I just had to bring it. And so the Mac Mini serves several more purposes, though. So the Mac Mini also is uh, my Plex server. It stores all of our uh, home content on there. Um, and then it's also a machine where all of my photos live. I'm also digging into photography uh, as a hobby. And so after I get done exploring, hiking, the photo shoot, whatever, uh, I get home and load up the camera onto the computer, dump all the photos onto the, onto the Mac Mini, and it uploads into Lightroom. And it's just a workhorse for that. And... Finally, this Mac Mini is the place where I record podcasts. Historically, I record Active Discourse with Bo on this computer, and now we also have another podcast, uh, this podcast, where I record with Marco. So in summary, I mean, this Mac Mini is just a workhorse. Uh, It's the one tool that honestly makes all of my hobbies possible. And we also found another use for it as well. Uh, It's now Marco's work computer. And maybe we'll talk more about this later, but... Her recent freelance work requires her to have a powerful computer to run Adobe Illustrator. She's working with very large Illustrator documents. And uh, up until very recently, she was using a 2012 MacBook Pro. Uh, the MacBook Pro that I got for college uh, almost a decade ago now. And yeah, it, uh, it, was, it was serving her pretty well, but it was not her main work computer uh, and, until November 2020, where it had to become her main work computer. It just was not cutting it anymore. It was taking forever to load anything. Her job was just way too hard on it. And so we migrated her to the Mac Mini. We sold the uh, old MacBook Pro. And now the Mac Mini, over the course of the week, is serving Margot as uh, her full-time computer. And it's serving my needs over the weekend. And so along with that, I brought another small piece of my desk which is one of the monitors that I had at my desk. Uh, My desk, honestly, was my happy space at home. It's it. I was so proud of it. I loved, loved, loved that desk. And I will be rebuilding it in, you know, not long from now, but I want to take some of it with me. And so I took one of the monitors down and it's, it's a big monitor. It's the most awkward thing we have with us because uh, it's a little heavy, but uh, one side of it, the screen part of the screen is fragile. So we have to align it in a in a way in our car so that the screen doesn't break because you can't just have, you know, the stainless steel pan crashing into the screen. That'll break it. So anyway, it's relatively long. It's relatively flat and one side is extremely fragile. And we also have two monitors, actually. So I brought one for myself um, and we intended to bring another one for Margo, but we accidentally forgot it at home. But she needs a monitor. I'm doing work. She's doing work. Uh, over the course of the pandemic, I actually introduced Margot to the concept of a large screen. She was previously trying to do her work on a small 13-inch monitor, and that wasn't cutting it. And so I showed her what life was like 
on a big monitor and she can't go back. So now we brought two monitors with us, two relatively fragile devices, and they've survived. Uh, albeit they've definitely been beaten up so far. The last thing, last series of things that we brought, uh, I brought a few devices for entertainment. I brought an Xbox, I brought a Nintendo Switch, and I brought an Apple TV. And I'll admit, writing slash speaking this aloud right now, it sounds absurd, and it actually is a little bit. So the device that we've used the most is actually the Apple TV. The remote kind of sucks, but it's, it, it's an opportunity for us to get connected to the TVs that we have access to and have a familiar interface that we've used for now like five years or so. And it's a tiny box. It's much smaller than the Mac Mini that I have. And so might as well just shove it into the bag and be on with it. The one thing that I feel kind of the worst about is the fact that I haven't really used my Xbox a ton. And in retrospect, it kind of makes sense. You know, this is an adventure where we're traveling around the West Coast. And when we're not traveling, when we're not going hiking, and when we're not exploring an area that we don't live in and have never seen before... I'm hosting two podcasts, I'm learning programming, I'm doing photography. Uh, you know, I've, I've just had no time to play games. Most of my leisure time has been spent either watching Schitt's Creek, Jeopardy, or indulging in my hobbies on YouTube. I look forward to the day when life gets slower and I can get back into video games, but I may consider sending the Xbox into storage if I can't find time to use it between now and April. So to round this out, we want to talk about one last thing that we brought and uh, some things that we sent back. One last thing that we brought was our cat, Zara, on this trip. Initially, this wasn't necessarily a given. For a few days, we had brainstormed whether we could leave her with friends or parents, and ultimately, that would have been far less stressful for her. But that is way too much for us to sign up our parents or friends for. We honestly didn't even ask any one of them, at least I don't think we did, um, whether or not they could seriously watch Zara. We've, we never approached it from a perspective of, can we figure out how to do this? We never even tried. Because ultimately, if we were going to go on this adventure, we wanted her to come with. We, we love this cat. She's essentially our first child. She's coming with us. She's She's part of us. She's coming with us. It might be a little bit more stressful for her, but... Uh, we want her to come, we want her to be with us. It's also easier on everyone else, so might, might as well. So oddly enough, uh, what makes this easier though, what makes this an easier decision to make is the fact that she actually kind of likes her kennel. When she was a kitten, we brought her back and forth between college and home, and she grew comfortable in her kennel. We probably drove her back and forth between Menominee and the Twin Cities, probably like a good ten to twenty times as as, as a kitten. So uh, she got used to it. And it's just funny because today we open the kennel door and she just walks right in. Um, in Ridgecrest, she actually chose to sleep in the kennel for most of the day. It's her safe space. She knows it. She understands it. And it's where she wants to be. And so we put that kennel right behind the two of us in our SUV. She's between our two seats, uh, in the back seat and between the two seats so that we can check in on her, say hi, and make sure that she's doing all right. And for the most part, she's been the perfect cat to go on this road trip with. Uh, We know many friends uh, with cats who 
absolutely cannot stand the car and would haul her for hours. We do actually remember uh, going on a trip from Minnesota to Colorado, and uh, that was a very interesting experience with uh, with a different cat. <laughs> so uh, Margo still has the scars from that. When we left Minnesota on Halloween, she was nearly 100% silent all the way to Colorado. Uh, but on the way to Santa Fe, it was a little different. She screamed for about three of the five-hour trip, and that was concerning. We do have minor sedatives for her, and we gave it to her. Our vets prescribed gabapentin. It's a very light medication that is generally prescribed to cats who don't cooperate at vets. And she remains awake, but a little drowsy and spaced out. But going to Santa Fe, it's as if she didn't have any gabapentin at all. And she might have had very little, because we weren't great at giving it to her at that point. We don't. We give it to her in her food, and she. I don't think she ate it all. We kind of suspect she might have been a little sick, uh, maybe with altitude sickness. It's really hard to tell. But either way, that trip was terrible. And uh, the trip from Santa Fe to Flagstaff, I, I remember not being nearly as bad, but it wasn't great. It wasn't like going from Minnesota to Colorado. That was the gold standard. She hardly had a peep. It was fantastic. And so when we were in Flagstaff, we tried, we learned a new approach and we perfected it by the time that we went from Phoenix to Ridgecrest. And here's the approach that really worked well with giving gabapentin to our cat. What we did the night before is we gave, we, we took the pill, we cut it in half and it's a, a powdered pill. And so um, all you have to do is take one half of the powder, pour it in her food, mix it up so that theoretically she can't taste it, and um, give that to her the night before for, for dinner. And then that will make her tired over the course of the night. Very, very, very tired indeed. And she'll sleep very well that night and she'll wake up with it kind of out of her system, but still there. She'll still be a little spacey. And then in the morning, what we did is we put the second half of the pill onto a spoon of vanilla ice cream. And she loved it. She loved it. She ate, she ate it all up, and um, it worked great. She was pretty sleepy and very, very out of it. And so that was great. The last thing all we have to do now is, uh, after we give her 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 medicine, is make sure that she goes into the bathroom at least once. Uh, just keep a close eye on, on her. And also, you know, the last thing that we do is we pack uh, the litter box away at the very last thing just before we leave, so that it gives uh, her the most time to use the litter box as possible. And so rounding out this episode, let's talk about the stuff that we sent back. And this is a, this is a funny topic, because we're having a really tough time remembering what we sent back. When we left, we knew that we wanted to send a few things back at a certain point. Uh, we brought Christmas sweaters with us, and we knew we were not going to take that with us the entire way. And so we were saying, well, let's, we'll, you know, halfway through, we'll probably get a box and we'll put stuff in there. And what worked out really well is that my mother actually came up to Phoenix uh, over Christmas. And so what we did is we just sent an extra suitcase back with her. And we packed a whole freaking suitcase of stuff. We put Christmas sweaters in there and other stuff. What that other stuff is, we were having a really freaking tough time knowing what that is because we don't know. It was just out of sight, and so now it's out of mind. (laughs) When we were packing it, we were thinking, well, we don't need this. Just put it in there, and we didn't because we don't have it anymore, (laughs) and we don't even remember we sent it back. So we're planning on sending back another box now as well, Um, and we're going to be putting 
in that box uh, a puzzle. We're going to be putting in a few uh, clothes, a few more pieces of technology, a bag of fabric Margot won't end up using. But once that's gone, well, we'll rediscover it when we get home. And it seems extremely likely that when we do get home, uh, we're going to have to consider donating some of this stuff that we forgot about over the course of the year. It just begs the question of how much stuff do we have that we only have essentially to keep on inertia? We, we've had it. Why get rid of it? Because maybe we'll need it again someday. Well, we're about to go for a whole year without probably 90% of our crap. <laughs> and, uh, it just begs the question, how much of it do we need anymore? It also begs the question, uh, how much of that stuff that we packed away in my mother's attic is going to remain there until they end up moving out in a few decades? (laughs) I don't know. I guess we'll see. That's all we have for our our episode today, Uh, and thank you for listening. We are quickly learning how we want to present our story, so if you happen to have any feedback or questions, feel free to email us at kester.brett at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Instagram. Our profiles are in the show notes below. The music we used on this episode is Thrive by Music by Aiden. It was found on the YouTube Audio Library channel. A link to their SoundCloud and the YouTube channel can be found in the show notes below as well. And we'll be back at the beginning of April. Weird to think that we're already almost in April, but at the beginning of April, we will talk about our first city that we visited. Colorado Springs. <laughs>